likewise, I'm excited as well. Welcome. Welcome. What episode number? 10? It's like a... Uh, I, <laughs> I probably should do uh, the uh, research on it each time, but I guess it's a starter for us each time. It's almost like asking the weather that we were talking about beforehand, you know? It's, uh, it's the first podcast of the spring t- of spring. Hey, nice. That's a good way of reflecting upon it. Um, also, the first double digit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 10 is an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I say that full well knowing we were going to get to at least double digits. You know, it's not like we don't we don't have uh, issues with, uh, you know, all the resources of the background work that goes into this that uh, is not going to make it happen past uh, triple digits. Next goal is triple digits. Triple digits. Right. One hundred. Mm-hmm. So at our rate, uh, yeah, we'll be there in two years. Yeah. Yeah. There's enough conversation to be had. A lot of things to be changed in two years. Yep. Uh, presidential elections and possible bans on social media. <laughs> so I'm not trying to digress us here. Um, so the, uh, do you want to intro the topic for today or the back and forth you and I had with the article as well as the the piece? And, uh, and also, Melissa probably um reflect in there why you think we should be why you you think you and i should be discussing it with regards to what we were uh we're taking care of and what we're what we're looking at um you know i think when it comes to the, um, today's conversation topic of fairness within sport um when it comes to the separations of sexes males and females um, and the new legislation or just different regulations that are coming out to assure that that um, stays consistent. And where do we fit in transgender individuals who want to participate in sport? Um, I think it fits into our conversation because we focus on not only the sport aspect, but the health and the fitness or fitness being separate from sport. Mm-hmm. So I think it is when we start talking about fairness, um, the conversation for me goes to how do we keep those things separate when we're talking about fitness and that being something that is open and free to everyone. And then why do we need to have some sense of regulation when it comes into actually playing competitive sport Yeah, Yeah. without there being an emotional attachment to those two conversations? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, uh, That's a great way to separate, you know, where we sit on it. It's also a great intro to what we're going to discuss today, uh, we'll link um, the particular, like, remember, we link these things or just give them as not the uh, the holy grail. We always do those as hopefully the readers and listeners can get, uh, use it as a base support for the understanding of a particular topic. And so when these things come up and I'm either researching and listening to it, uh, Melissa's researcher or listening to it, uh, we feel that you know, by you and I having a conversation and discussing it, uh, we're hoping there's, you know, adults in the room who are going to look at those and say, oh, that must be how they perceive that opinion. It's like, no, it's an opportunity for us to look at that and then say, bring it to this topic today called fairness in sport. Um, And uh, just to reiterate, I do love the way that you uh, cut that. Uh, I don't know if cutting it is the right uh, 
terminology, but you know, the cut lines between what I called uh, on previous podcasts that we've done, like if the systems are not stressed, then the truths around that system won't be revealed. And so that's what Melissa means here is that if we're just talking about physical activity and participation, it's a nothing burger. And, and I really I like it's almost like a boogeyman that has been created by uh, the media and politics and and uh, just just for just for really nefarious reasons, not on one side, by the way, it's 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 across the board. Um, and in some of those cases, for good reason, but let's just jump past that. It's for physical activity where you and I mainly sit, um, you know, just to say it again for the thousandth time. It's a nothing burger. We we don't want we, we don't want to we don't want to have to say anything about that because we believe that everyone should have full access to physical expression and physical activity opportunity, and we don't see anything beyond you know uh, their effort or or willingness to participate as how we create judgment. Um, and then that could be arguable as well. But when it comes to sport, like you said, for that cut. It does now get uh, it does now get, unfortunately, you know, uh, a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit more challenging. And I I would like to point the finger not only for the entire thing today, but I would like to point the finger um, at sport and the sport um, encroachment in fitness I want to I want to point the finger at least at someone and something, even if it's not a person, which is probably easier. And everyone that supported the whole like sport being healthy and sport being great for fitness. I'm now pointing the finger back at you that this is what you get. Right. When you want to place all of these admirable traits. Right. Oh, look at this athlete. Uh, mind you, they've got, you know, bone marrow density issues and a lifetime of metabolic, like, you know, you're pointing your finger at that and saying, look how healthy that is to be a human. And then let's put them on a pedestal, idolize them, say how they should be our highest moral characters, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go too deep into that, but that's, I'd want to at least, you know, point the finger in that direction for how it came to this, because the unfortunate thing is, is that you have a number of people who uh, do actually want to participate in physical activity, and they do have some things that they're still learning about themselves and their identities and et cetera. And this whole sport thing is thwarting their their positive intentions on physical activity, right? Because as we said before, Melissa, how, how much how much how many opportunities are there out there, right? And what are the options, <laughs> right? So this is where we create that contention on it. So I'm going to go back and forth that. I hope you got some things to speak about just on those particular things. But I do also want to say relative to the article we're going to share and to connect those points. I love this connector here between us listening to Mary O'Connor because this is actually one of the, one of the, the I would call it the truest darker aspects of the context of fairness is having these women from the 1970s and 80s speak up and talk about how disgusting the culture was with regards to participation, right? With regards to participation. Now, 
only see that as just an example of now these individuals are of, are unfortunately having to write letters to their local politician, having to boycott specific kinds of events. You're having unfortunate situations show up where you have these elite female athletes not showing up to their event because of this whole shit uh, that we've got ourselves into with this with, with regards to this ambiguity in terms of male and female sport participation, et cetera. So now you have people like Mary O'Connor and others who are bravely saying, hey, you know, unfortunately, they're, they have to hashtag now, let's save women's sports. The, like, it sounds like it's 1973 all over again, right? Where you're, where you're, you're basically having to say, oh, Title IX is this, this is our fairness for participation, this is what we should have access to, et cetera. And listening to Mary O'Connor's stories based upon how shitty they were treated for the rowing example, right? Um, I'll allow people to do the reading and listening on that. But, you know, all the men get off. It's, this is short. I'll be, I'll be short on this. Uh, the, the men get off the water and they go in and have all these, the way you should describe, all these warm showers and, you know, and everything. And the, and the women are basically out there, like, finishing, like, freezing, waiting. And then they get to have this one little corner room of that area you know, and then they get to go off and, and have the rest of their day. Just as an example there of like, these are the these are the stories that were quite important. And now what you have happening is, of course, all the controversies within of this ambiguity as to who is male and female and how that per sport participation is now coming back to uh, to create this question of fairness. And that's what lands us here today to have a conversation on, again, just another voice in that. So that was a lot there, but I had to had to get it off my chest with regards to number one, who I wanted to like indirectly point the finger at as some kind of thing we should kind of scratch and like criticize with care. And then secondly, I love the I love the fact that there's these uh, Billie Jean King avatars who are coming back and standing up and saying like, listen, you guys don't know. You guys have no idea what we had to go through to get, quote unquote, accessibility and uh, and free participation um, in between sexes. And now we're in an area where, again, guess who's going to get hurt the most here is female sports, right? That's who's going to get hurt the most here. And so, sorry, that was a lot on the front end after your intro, but anything you wanted to add to that or? Yeah, I mean, I think at some point we, we could have a whole entire podcast episode on um, the history of women in sports and going into Title IX. I think if anyone is jumping into this conversation, ESPN has an amazing series that goes through different sports. Um, the rowing, for instance, there's a whole entire podcast. I mean, a whole entire um, episode in the series with uh, Mary O'Connor and the rest of the team that kind of goes into like the row house experience, awesome. what it was like to, to be a female in some of these sports to how we got to where we are. Mm. You know, I think for newer generations, we just, live in our lives and we don't know the work that went into getting us the freedoms we have to be in it. So, um, yeah, it's on ESPN, but there's a whole entire series that goes through each sport, um, and the struggles that women have gotten to, to have, uh, accessibility to sport. So I think without that context, it's hard for people to understand why women would be so upset with what's going on now. Right. Or why there's these older women fighting, just allowing someone access into their sport, right? Like, is it that the conversation? Is it that big of a deal? Mm -hmm. Why is it such a big of a deal? Because mm -hmm. um, they don't 
understand the struggles that have gone on or the work that's gone on to get us to where we are today. Yeah, there's like this big, long generation gap, you know, where those things, quote unquote, were taken for granted. But now we're in a position where that um, individual coming in uh, was born a different sex and does have immutable characteristics that were not thwarted with hormone change or anything else. Um, And to their public right, they can proclaim themselves as the opposite sex for their public right. But now it comes down to a physical environment. It's a physical environment. And now the systems are stressed. And unfortunately, you're going to topple over in a lot of quiet cases. You're going to topple over. Like you're seeing more and more of the stories, unfortunately. I just um, heard another one through the... the. Uh, uh, through the wires, the news wires um, of this uh, female, unfortunately, this like well-known elite cycling female who quit the sport uh, because she was beaten handily by uh, uh, a male who, and excuse my language if it's incorrect, I don't want to, you know, I don't even know if the language isn't being politically incorrect on this, so I'm just trying to do it the best I can, but a male who presented as female uh, participated and beat a number of, and it is cons- this is consistently happening. And so she quit. She was like, I can't, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I can't, I got no more fight, right? I, I'm exhausted. No one's going to do anything about this. Your guidelines and rules. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm being verbose on it, but who's losing here? Who's right. losing here? Female so, athletes are losing here. So if we go back to exactly what are we discussing here? It's what are the physical advantages of being a male to a female when it comes to athletic potential in sport? And why does that matter? Right? So, I mean, I think that is, again, we're talking about a performance world. So we're talking about people that are paid athletes or in a true competitive athletic setting. And this is happening across multiple sports. So we're seeing it in cycling, we're seeing it in swimming, we're seeing it in rowing, we're seeing it in surfing. Um, typically right now it's more an individual sport because that's where we can really measure potential. You know, we're in a team sport, there's a lot more variables, right? And we, it hasn't, at least there haven't been that many known cases of it, but we are seeing it much more in a lot of individual sport, Mm -hmm. um, where we've talked on previous podcasts on just different strength advantages and differences between males and females. Yeah. Undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. So if we look at it from just a black and white perspective, perspective like that it is unfair yeah no matter how hard a female trains comparative to you you may have some physical advantages over her just because of your biological sex yeah and i apologize that we you know i i sorry i take that for granted right (laughs) that we've (laughs) but i'm kind of giggling too that we we have to go through this but it is you make a good point melissa is that you know, we're not, see, we're not in the emotion world. We're not in the cognitive world. This is the physical world. That's the issue. So maybe, quote unquote, the answer is, uh, you know, questions on law for uh, things like informed consent or questions on law for, because um, then you, because then everyone, quote unquote, has to privately you know, write down and say, listen, I'm aware of what I'm getting into here. My whole point being is that if we're, you know, 
is the answer that, you know, it's, this may look unfortunate to those individuals who are males transitioning to females. It may be unfortunate for them, but maybe they have to, They this is the answer to them. Listen, you can still participate, but you have to participate in public being wanting to be viewed as a female. Yeah. But when you're in a physical universe, we're sorry, you have to remain, quote unquote, on the male team. Right. And then and then we could plead. Listen, we're like, listen, we're not going to, you know, point out, you know, anything about that, you know, and we could honor that. Maybe that's a possibility. Do you know what I'm saying? So as opposed to getting caught up in this, because people will bring up options like, well, there needs to be a there needs to be a third uh, grouping or an, another another area for them. I don't think that. But, but here's the thing, again, if we're looking at this from not having to be a profession, if we're talking about just wanting to express your physical potential in a competitive setting, there are a lot of co-ed races. There are, there are a lot of races if we're talking about, again, bike cycling or something like that. Oh, where, yeah, for sure. Where they don't, they don't do this going out. out at the end. Sure. Yeah, I there's, agree. Yeah, there's totally. tons of opportunity for things yes. like that where, yeah. you know, we're talking about just like you having for your own self being able to go express yourself physically mm-hmm. right in a competitive in a setting that isn't intramural there yeah. are many of opportunities yeah yeah right I so think, i think even inside of those opportunities though that's where i that's where i fall a little bit more on the you know what you can do as much physical expression as you want but it starts getting weird when we try to come up with all these options in a sports setting so I'm not discounting the fact that you are right in your statement that there are options. There's lots of chances for, you know, people to mingle and play and do what they want to do together. But like you just said, let's not call it sport then. Let's call yeah. it recreational ultimate or community community frisbee throwing. Do you, you, can go, like, you can go run a 5K and run your best for yourself, regardless of what your ranking is. If, if, yeah. right? See, this is it. If. Um, you don't get you don't get classified yes. in the scoring amongst the opposite sex. Yes, you see that like that's where. So by all means, and to, this that's is the where point again, you're making. I totally agree with you. Right, this is where again I think sport. Right, where it's like where it gets murky is in sport. Yes, because, you know, for me it's like and outcomes, measurable out- outcomes, measurable outcomes. Because it's yeah. like if someone is like has transitioned or is in the middle of transitioning and they've always been a cyclist and they love to cycle the ability to go move your body and ride a bike is still there, right? It only becomes the issue when we go into measurable outcomes in a sports setting. Yeah. And no one, by the way, this is a point that we made earlier. No one's preventing you from doing that. This is the point I'm making that everyone is making this a big boogeyman issue, right? But people forget if you want to do that, go and do it, right? But dot, 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 right? But if you want to participate then in a sports setting, there's limitations and constraints, dare we say truths, in the physical differences between males and females. I will also asterisk that and say that I am most cases not the one to argue some of the ambiguities inside of finding a sport in which every like it get, it just gets honestly it just gets it gets weird right because there's lots of argument today to from people who are not well educated on the topic or the outcomes 
to say that, um, you know, females and males, it's questionable in terms of ultra and distance, ultra distance as to who it's like, well, let's, you know, anyways, you, you see my point I'm making, you're trying to find, you're trying to find this little window. But my but point I'm saying is why try to find the window? <laughs> if we're saying this, oh, you like running? <laughs> Go running. Like <laughs> you can run to their heart's content. Oh, but I don't get fulfillment unless I have accountability to a race to compete against other people's like, I'm sorry, but that's not a right that you're not, you're not given that right to be able to do that. But you do have physical sovereignty. You could leave your door and no one will prevent you from putting on your Hoka shoes and running for 14 hours straight. No one. So you see the darkness inside of there, right? People are like, oh, but it's not worthwhile if I don't get to show people that I competed in a race. Ah, so now you're telling me your intentions are not based upon physical expression. Your intentions are based upon performative nuances. But mm. I think that goes back to what you said of the ugliness of who created it, right? It is. Who, who made sport be the beacon? How did we get here? How did we get here? Right? Because I think sport is like, performative. We talk sport about who, actually, who does get hurt is, you know, I do think it is impactful when we see states happening where like Wyoming passed theirs this week, right? That ages, I think it's uh, grades seven through 12, right? Um, separation of sport again, even for that age bracket. It's like we see that health is declining in adolescence. Kids are becoming more sedentary. They're less healthy. They're less physical. And now we're putting in all these things into kids just moving. Kids should be going to PE and playing and running and, and moving because it's healthy. Mm-hmm. But we've made youth sport so a beacon of health again that now we're going to have more just more reasons for kids not to want to move for sure shouldn't be ap- impacting 12 year olds yeah it freezes them it makes them immobile right so i i get uh this is how we talked about on fitness and youth all the time sport youth sport is simply an option that's the way we need to see it it's an option for physical expression it's not the pinnacle it's not the beacon. It's an option. Uh, and that that's where, it, it, like you mentioned, Melissa, that's where we now creates trouble. Why? Because, you know, you don't have to look too far outside of your neighborhood, an airport, a mall, <laughs> you know, a local schoolyard, non-creepily, you know, just look around. Kids are not uh, feral playground maniacs for 90 minutes, five times a week anymore. It's just not happening, Right. It's not happening. So so the, I hope people are understanding what I mean by that point. Then there's the there's the parent out there listening in going, well, that's why my kids in sport keeps them out of trouble. Keep You see what I'm saying? But I, I want everyone to think bigger, to think bigger that how does that how, how much trouble will that possibly get you in? And now how good is that when we're when we're saying, oh, well, this is the reason why we need to have youth sport is so that we can have this separation of sexes because, you know, we don't want everyone becoming fat. That can't be the intentions. That's, man, that's a really sad society that we're setting ourselves up for. If the reason for us going inside of that is based upon segregating males and females so that none of them get fat. Yeah. You know, because I go back to just like what before middle, yes, we still, I still played rec soccer. We played soccer and we played sports and everything, but like, 
most of summer was spent running around playing like playing with the baseball in the tennis courts with my brother and his friends and my friends, right? Where there was mm-hmm. no like boys versus girls. It was like we were just playing. First of all, just think about that. It was summer and our parents kicked us out and it we was like baseball on cement. Because <laughs> it was a little clear, right? We brought like we'd bring random Sometimes we're playing baseball. Sometimes we're playing tennis. We were just playing. We were kicked out the house in the morning. We ran around and we played together. And it was his friends and my friends. And it was never like a, we split up the teams and you played because you were just outside playing because that's what you did because you were kids and you ran around all day, right? I rode a bike. We all rode bikes. So that's how you got around from one part of the neighborhood to the other. Um, Now that's moving more and more away that it's like your child's day has to be scheduled from morning to night, all summer long, even for a kid, you need to be going to this training, you know, has to be soccer conditioned. You have to be sending them to some type of like soccer camp. We have to be doing some camp, this, this, that, where now all of a sudden it's the 10 year old girls go here and the 10 year old boys go here and we're not just playing. And we have to schedule it. That's the sad and- part of what I just heard in your comment, right? It has to be scheduled. <laughs> Yeah, you described the uh, what, you know, you described the, the like I call them feral kids, right? They're like organic feral kids that and that uh, it's uh, I'm always hesitant to use, you know, your personal anecdotes or my personal anecdotes as examples of that, because that's not the new that's not the age that we live in. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's an adult listening in, there's probably a number of like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that, too. Those damn kids today, you know, it's like, well. Uh, I want all of us to have uh, better conversations um, amongst ourselves and also with the public and also with young people to get them. Cause I think that I think recognition and awareness will get us through where mm-hmm. at least these kids know that we have to schedule activity, right? Even if, even if they, even if everyone is in on it, you know what I'm saying? So even if the nine-year-old is like, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't see all my friends doing the, you know, baseball at the tennis courts, right? But I do know there's something enjoyable and fun inside of physical expression, like every kid do, does have that opportunity, right? Meaning opportunity to kind of experience that because it is there, even though if they may not experience it. Um, I think a good conversation with an adult to be like, you know, isn't it funny that we have to like schedule <laughs> physical activity kind of opportunities? I mean, I think, and then then there's at least this recognition, right? Um, and that doesn't mean that inside of that, there's still going to be uh, some behavioral issues to deal with. There will be, you know, I deal with it all the time uh, with my girls on a, I would call it a low intense level, but it's like, you know, just a constant reminder is like, we, we know that sport is an option. We know you don't have to do this, right? Um, but, you know, let's talk about the things that you get in benefit. I Sorry, we're going, I, I, I'm so, purposely right. pulling so, this too far. I, I mean, so I don't know. I, I bring it back to that one again. And I was just thinking about fairness and things like that, because I think the conversation, I, I know we may disagree on this one, but it's like, I just think it's such a different conversation we're talking about sports and youth versus competitive sport for adults yeah and that's that's what i think is just a challenge for me is to that's true no i'm just thinking of again because i just know wyoming passed their state legislation this week it's like you have four transgender youth in your state right now 
like that are that had been enrolled in sport and we're, we're making a law for four children. Mm-hmm. Right. And like this, I just feel like it's just like getting a yucky. This is adults pushing these things where these could be like case by case handled situations at a school mm-hmm. based off the neighborhood and the parents and like what made sense for that community versus when we start talking about an adult that's signing up for a competitive race. Yeah. I think no, it's, just, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's different, right? I just think of again, well, for a, a, again, a 12 year old that's figuring out who they are now that we have all these other things coming into play with them deciding if they want to go play soccer for the day is like, I don't know. I think it's, we're in a weird place, but if we make it black and white and we go back to competitive sport for adults, it simply does need to be biological sex matters. There isn't a category for the in-between right now. Mm-hmm. You have to go with your physical sex. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreeing with you uh, that uh, it's just, it's, but I mean, our talking today or mine, at least I could owe that, own that is uh, you could just see the, I hope you could just hear it. There's this like, <laughs> there's a, I don't want to use the word disgust, but it's like, Gosh, we there's there's so many positive possibilities to what you and I know people can experience with physical expression. And it seems like it's being thwarted by these, to your point, a very, a very minute, a very minute uh, actual percentage of the population um, in the context of physical participation. Like, it's just and again, that's you could see why we, you know, clearly divide from the get-go here. Listen, we're going to try to talk at both sides of the sport conversation and the physical participation conversation. And I'll replay it again. In physical participation, our overarching goal and the reality of what's in front of people today, everyone has the freedom to do what they wish to do with themselves for physical expression. Everyone is afforded that in America today. And you could see how it's a little different, unfortunately, now, to your point on uh, regulations and laws per state that changes that, that inside a sport, it's getting a little funky, right? It's getting a little funky. And I think that's where I continually, of course, you know, allow my brain to, of course, slip to the to the uh, unfortunate things inside of that, right? Especially Mayor O'Connor's story and um, others that are, you know, speaking up and saying like, geez, I don't know. I, I love, I, I want to continue to participate in my sport, but now, you know, it's being thwarted to your point as an adult. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a particular issue. Um, so that's where I say, like, if we want to make, if we want to continue to create things being fair, then there just needs to be regulation put into place. And it, it needs to, I think, be across the board sweepingly right now and not sport by sport and voted on by committees mm-hmm. because then we allow politics and we allow personal feelings to get involved. Yeah. Now, I think that's just, if, if this was like across the board, this is what we know to be true about different sexes. And mm-hmm. this is why we're doing this just to, to create fairness without there being any, politics going into it right beyond that we wouldn't be hitting this wall in every single sport mm-hmm. because rowing's made their decision but the cycling world hasn't made theirs 
Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, no, you bring up a good point there. I think about private versus public uh, because there are some shining lights in private institutions like World Rugby um, or the, the, the most recent announcement from Sebastian Coe, who's the, uh, the yeah. chair of uh, the World Athletic Commission, who basically just said, like, I still st I still think they left a little bit on the table for ambiguity because, you know, where the uh, activists are going to go based upon that language. But if you don't, I'll explain in a minute. But he basically said, like, we just have to draw the clear lines that say if you were um, a particular sex prior to puberty, you know, you have no chance of competing in the opposite sex sport. You know, regardless of what you or anyone would define as a transition in sex, you're not going to be able to do it, not within our sport. So it's got to be there are these stories and it is commendable. But get this right. That's a private institution that's allowed to make their guidelines. And they have pressures, of course, based upon per governments. But I mean, again, that's that's what I, is a positive thing inside there. To my point, when the system gets stressed enough, truths are revealed. And in athletics, it is a high differentiation between sexes, right? That's what I mean by stressed systems. And when the systems aren't stressed, something like, I don't know, darts or something. Do you see how it's it, it, like there's this ambiguity then between male and female dis differences? Back to my point on the ambiguity that was left inside the language, they said pre-puberty. Yeah. So you see how that now leaves this like, oh, well, what happens if there's a transition and what's the definition of transition? So let's say if someone uh, takes uh, hormones, puberty blockers, whatever whatever the lineup is for medicalization that adults want to get inside and, and have a part to play inside of that for younger people. Um, you know, how is that now in eight years down the road different? Can that person show up and be like, oh, well, pre-puberty under your guidelines, um, I did, you know, socially transition in my sex, as well as take all the things, right? And now, even unfortunately, through scientific in investigation, their millimoles of testosterone are within the perfect range, right? So you see that now there's still more ambiguity for that. So where they could have just said, you know, the sex that you were born to, and if there's if there's the odd case, which again, with Castor Semenya as an example, there's like... There's just these unusual circumstances that may happen, but it's a, it's a one in a 10,000 chance, right? One in 10,000 folks. That doesn't mean that we give all changes and regulations and government and law to that one person. No, 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 no. We still have to abide by those, um, you know, male, female variances. And I guess that's where it lands for us and why it's important for us in the, in the conversation because fitness is physical you know, we're talking about physical differences here and, uh, and that's where it'll land. And so they listen to the podcast or they read the articles, you know, for women, why does this, why is this unfair? Um, because of everything that we've discussed on previous podcasts, when it goes to strength levels in males versus females. And there are stark differences. Uh, you know, I think she gives us some great examples and just the differences in. Um, yeah, that floored me. I didn't know in regards to row times. I mean, that's that's significant. Significant. Yeah. 
I love um, the scientist in her too, how she used like the lab setting of a erg comparison. So there's no external environmental factors. And indirectly, I don't know if people know she used that because there's a lot of people who are activists on the other side using, you know, environmental factors that are not a real lab scenario to say, look, look, we're almost the same, you know? Okay, well, let's get it in a lab. Let's get some fairness here on the scores and let's have outcomes of like a million scores, right? Because that's what concept two has is a million score uh, variations of that. And then let's put it down. So I, I do appreciate that. I also thought about how the language, when I wrote down fairness, I put a question mark to it. You know, I think a conversation that we could possibly have inside of this too, is if we're going to, if you're going to have a game of fairness and you want to like signal that that's really important to you, I think you should probably also have a good definition of what is unfair. Yeah. You know, what is unfair? Um, and if you're going to say that unfairness is a particular uh, lack of opportunity for physical participation or experimentation or expression, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's unfair, right? Um, I'm not sure. Any any thoughts on that, on the unfairness? And then it being a beacon to like what fairness could be, right? You just, you just like, oh, if that's unfair, then we want to do the opposite of that, you know? But, yeah, uh, I just feel like the unfair is again that I am a female and someone who was born with an advantage of me to me physically in a sports setting gets to play with me. That's unfair, right? I like I can't. That's the only argument. I just keep going back to what would fairness be? It'd be like that's unfair to me. Mm -hmm. It is unfair that someone who had a physical advantage than me change their life and I am impact by, impacted by it and my ability to win this the sport. Yeah, that is just, unfair. Yeah, you just hit it. That was really, really well done. You know, it's it's not it's not so this is what the context is about. It's not it's not about fairness in participation. It's about fairness in sport. That's what I know we keep coming back to that, but that's the that's the difference, right? We we got there's no game in fairness, there's no game in fairness of participation. It's like, you know, but this is the thing why I like Mary O'Connor's comment is like, it used to be that, right? It used to be like, we couldn't participate. Like you didn't give us dressing rooms. You didn't give us access. You didn't give us opportunity for that sport physical expression. And by the way, this is beyond the point of talking about uh, female physical expression, et cetera. That's a whole different thing. But damn it, they they should have had access and participation opportunity. Do you see that? But now we're saying it's a nothing burger. Like there's there's nothing to it in fairness and participation. And, and we start talking about those things that are, again, what are unfair. It's, um, yes, in today's sport world, it is unfair that we have women's teams that are outshining and outplaying their male counterparts in certain states and countries that get less access to trainers, to good stay, to transportation, right? We see this in the soccer world a ton. Where when we look at like, you know, some of Canada's female teams to their male teams, the girls are outshining them, but they get way less money, right? They're, they're staying in horrible hotels. They don't have half the treatment team that the male teams have, right? That to me is a, a disadvantage to access. So... Yeah, in sport. In, when we start looking about like where a lot of like Title IX has gone to like, what are we talking about? Just like access. It's just 
the resources that women have been given are not equal to males often. Yeah, and you can see why that those groups of women are partnering up with these activists, though, for good reason, right? You can understand that um, because they're they're saying, oh yeah, why don't we all intersectionally intersectionally get together and complain about equal access? So again, this is why I I still point the finger at sport because. Uh, and there is some arguments as well in terms of when when you when you say Melissa pay, I'm agreeing with you with regards to payment for accessibility recovery et cetera by all means right. Mm-hmm. But this is this is the uncomfortable area we get inside of it when you're talking about professional sport. We seem to forget again that they're not on the moral high ground. This is entertainment. This is entertainment. My, I hope you're getting my whole point yeah. there. So if you're go- if we're going to say, oh, well, they should be paid the same amount as these people. OK, well, in an entertainment setting, how does that pan out? But you're that's not the point you're making. No, I'm, I'm saying I'm here, saying again, which I'm agreeing with say, you. I'm, I'm saying with you. yeah, access, access to the correct training, recovery, correct training, food, right? shelter, by shelter. All means, by all yeah. means. Right. I- I'm talking about um not how much we get, you know, compensated. I'm saying we start talking about. World Cup settings when it's saying, how do we get yeah. there? Right yeah. when well, one, team, one team gets to get there and they're rested because they had yes. good transportation, yeah. or we're getting there again, or we go back to like the rowing situation where you're expected to row and then sit on a in a freezing bus for five hours while the men shower yes. <laughs> yes. and have access to being able to put on dry clothes and you're freezing, right? Yes. Um, access to just simple things that allow you to play your sport. Yeah. to your uh, to your physical ability yeah. those things should be equal just yeah. access to those simple things um not monetary as far as for like you know how much females get paid versus males because that is going into again what is viewing what yeah. is there's so many other things that get into what breaks comes into that yeah so i promise you i'll do cuz i don't have the the uh background information or the facts on your particular point for um, a, a lack of accessibility and the and the examples of that. But I also do appreciate us being adults in the context of the language around compensation, because compensation doesn't just mean the entertainment viewership value. Compensation can also mean, quote unquote, right? And this is where I don't have the facts, so I can't speak to it. But I think it's disgusting, actually, if that is at play, where... There's examples of, you know, shitty transportation because, because, again, in my opinion, that is the same thing as the fight that Billie Jean was fighting 50 years ago, right? That's the same fight. It's about accessibility to get to the playing field, right? Now, so you could see where there's, you know, on a, on a three-minute CNN talking point, no one's going to talk that out, right? It's simply going to be, oh, well, uh, they don't they don't have as much viewership or we don't have access. So let's pull everyone on board that has an inclusion problem. Right. So you can see where this where this tension is going to happen. No one's conversing on your particular point or the or the information that's inside of that. So I appreciate you bringing it up to create context of what we mean by that, because that is almost a third rail conversation in in CNN bits. Right. But when it's like this, the 60 minute conversation, it's like, well, well, what do you mean by compensation? Right. Give me context on that. And in our conversation, I think what I'm getting from what you said, 
we're talking about compensation connecting to accessibility. Yeah. Now we got an issue, right? Because that's not fair. It, it is an unfair situation. If they don't have equal, here's the words, right? Which we all abide by as Americans, equal opportunity under the law, right? Equal opportunity under the law. If you're talking about that, we're not we're not discussing equal equal outcomes and then moving it into an equity conversation, right? Which again is now politically fraught with conversation because no one can define it, you know, for good reason because it's gotten the wrong hands on both sides of the argument. But equality under the law, it does bring us back to these points that I, I just it sads me because we're jumping right over it, right? And that's where I think this is, you know, what um, to Mary O'Connor's point to this whole podcast was going into. Um, the fight that a lot of female athletes are doing just to have equal access to being able to play as well as when, again, um, and I go to soccer because we've seen so much of it around preparing for the World Cup is um, we're still fighting for equal access to things just to be able to play um, at our best level the same way men have that opportunity to, mm-hmm. opportunity to mm-hmm. that's still ongoing. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of work being done just for that form of equality. So this overshadows it for a lot of women that have been spending like their lives working for this. Mm-hmm. It does feel like it's overshadowing their fight, right? Or it's you're hitting them- on a point. I think you're hitting on a point though that that is the so people could be empathetic, right? Because I'm I haven't been as much, right? I've I've actually and on this podcast before. I said, and you can go back and look at my words and I'll clearly back it up because I said that we do need to to not necessarily point the finger, but we do need to pressure females to be brave. Right. We do need to pressure them to be brave. And, and you know, I'm sure you know what I mean by pressure. It's not like coercion or or anything, but it's about influence them to be brave. But you see, my point is that I'm empathetic because they're they're looking around going, well, who else? is a is fighting quote unquote a fight right of inclusion right and do you see what i'm saying if you, if your options are let's just say that you're you're a, a female athlete who has uh sex stereotypical female attributes right right you you probably feel a really deep connection to lgbtq two plus etc and a flag right so do you see what i'm saying i have i have been less personally be honest i've been less empathetic to that situation because i wanted those females to be brave but what we what we forget in this is that there is a possibility that um they actually have a pretty strong argument to wrap their arms around a whole bunch of people without that particular female I described, Melissa, like doing the deep research. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of more empathetic to their energy, right? And their willingness to like, you know, do this big surround kumbaya thing. But I think the tools, the accessibility of the tools, the way to go about it in the cesspool called social media today, I just don't think it's landing really nicely. No, I agree. I don't think it's landing nicely. It's It's coming off as... You know, just again, this back and forth, right? Like just nastiness around all the positive aspects of the feminist movement. Like there actually is a lot of nastiness inside of that now. Why? Because 
as I said, they're partnering up. They're partnering up for a movement of inclusion. <laughs> it's funny. It's breaking my brain in terms of how this lands, right? How this lands nicely. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it landing nicely, which is unfortunate. But I appreciate um, your your point of bringing it up um, because it does make me do some learning on the language of the context of compensation and how that ties into your point on well, what is fair in our language of opportunity and accessibility, and that does land in a in an area which I think we need to discuss a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I think that's where, for me, it's just like, again, we started talking about like, what is fair? It's equal accessibility to be able to play, your, if, you're, if you're playing a competitive sport, play your sport to your best ability, right? Just the same equal opportunities for a male versus a female. And that's why there has to, again, still, and then we get into, again, what is fairness in, in being able to play the sport. Mm-hmm. It's being on an even playing field where I know that everyone I'm playing with is the same biological sex yes. as I am because now we have an even playing field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, did you get my point? Can you see how 22 out of the 25 females on the soccer roster are not going to complain about that, though? Like, you can get it because, you know, I understand it. I I, I now understand it where everyone's like, why don't you speak up? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't I don't want to speak up because I think this is an arm of area where we can at least get some highlighting moments of inclusion, right? Because we don't have equal quote unquote opportunity. So if someone comes in who is the opposite sex and I'm not in a privileged position to be able to say, oh, you know, I could just make a decision and leave my sport and just be gone with it and let it let chips fall where they may. A lot of people don't have that opportunity. You see what I'm saying? So the, there's I, I get it where there, there's just a lot of talk around um, people wanting to point the finger to ask females to be more brave when you need to involve inside of that finger pointing a conversation on what you're doing to move the conversation forward. What are you doing to move the conversation forward on education, right? On competency around this particular topic. What are you doing to do that? Um, and if you're, if, if you're not willing to do it or you can't, I appreciate that too, because not everyone has that opportunity, but I think you need to start, uh, start with your coaches and your gym. Um, you could start by, um, at least learning from this. I would say, you know, do, do some reading. I have it here as, as a, as a link that we could pass on to individuals for letters you could write to your local government. Um, I have, uh, a finger pointing issue with the NCAA. I think it's a, it's a fraught organization that more people should at least quote unquote hashtag something that's not really vitriol or bad, but like around like, Hey, NCAA, what are you doing about these situations? Because they're just kind of all they're concerned about is the entertainment to make millions of dollars for these big, you know, these big universities. And I think they need to be pushed a little bit harder beyond this, you know, title nine concept that they, very well, you know, very highly welcomed and brought on, but now, now they're uh, more concerned about making money. I think we should also point our finger at uh, media and call people out for the uh, lack of both sidisms. You know, point your finger at someone who's only going to take one particular argument. Point your finger at a particular media institution who's not going to give both sides inside of the conversation. Right. So 
let's even be let's even be bold and say that New York Times article that I heard about the the elite cyclist that was quitting, they should probably also talk a little excerpt in there in terms of why do you think these individuals who are transgender athletes are fighting for this accessibility, right? Don't don't be afraid to like do the do the middle ground there and then allow people to say, oh, interesting. I never thought about the context of that, right? Or to your point, instead of reporting in Dakar on all the political garbage in terms of the host government and their views on homosexuality, why don't you report as an excerpt on the end in terms of the female buses to the World Cup, right? Why don't you report a little bit on that? So you see now it's now it's like, oh, interesting. Um, now we can bring at least both both pieces to the story to allow individuals. So that's where I think you could point your finger. NCAA, uh, the media in this post-journalistic world that we live in, and the federal government. Um, and that letter will, and I'll, uh, if you want to give me a second, that reads as this, uh, dear representative or senator, I'm writing to express strong opposition to the Biden administration's proposed rule changes to Department of Education's Title IX regulations, which is non-discrimination on the basis of sex and education programs or activities receiving federal financial assistance. I humbly ask for you to use your position on the Appropriations Committee to provide a necessary check to the power being exerted by the executive branch. This is an attempt to rewrite foundational legislation protecting women from discrimination, and Congress must demand a respect for its authority to set the laws governing our country. The regulation changes would erase the meaning of sex and 50 years of sex-based protections for women in education. It is my opinion that Congress should not allow for the funding of these unilaterally decreed Title IX changes in the upcoming funding bill. This is important to me because, and they ask you to include your particular story. On behalf of women and girls across our country, we urge Congress and the Appropriations Committee to stop funding of the new Title IX regulations and direct the Department of Education to start over and involve the legislative branch of government in any changes. Thank you for your consideration. So that's basically a letter that's already written for you. You write your story in, you can send it off to your representatives. And just to come back on what we're talking about today, that basically just points the finger at the government saying, listen, we need to have a better conversation on what fairness means because we're trying to rewrite laws of stuff that females work so fucking hard for for so long and you're now going to rip them apart. And maybe, let me just give it a little bit of a positive, you know, maybe an opportunity here. There could be a representative who is like, I fucking, I didn't know that we were actually, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of shit that's written where governors and representatives are just like, uh, whatever, you know, move it through. You know, what does that mean? But they can now, now get, you know, maybe 150 letters. That's like, damn it. I, why the hell are we getting 150 letters from Phoenix, you know, about this Title IX stuff? And then they look and they're like, I was going to pass that bill based upon freedom of accessibility and freedom of participation and freedoms of the differences here for sport participation. Yeah, F that. So anyways, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to point our finger at some particular areas to if it makes people feel any better as to, you know, what you could do, right? What you can do besides uh, just have a conversation around the campfire for it. I mean, I think that's a perfect actionable item because I think you're right yeah. in so many ways of, you know, um, we see these articles and it's like we have to pick a side of, oh, well, that person doesn't have access to so that means like I'm a bad person if I for calling that unfair without really looking at the issue <laughs> and mm -hmm. um and the disadvantages again that come to just equality and support for men and women. Uh 
if something like this legislation were to go through, right? It's like, let's look at, at the work that has gone in to allow females equal access or some just right ability to be able to play sports. Um, and it not being a love and a, a, a social media play of what is fair or are you being a bad person because you express an unpopular opinion or view mm-hmm. or you just bring a different view to your friend, mm-hmm. your circle of friends. Yeah. That isn't based on what you saw a sports person stand up and say about the issue yeah, or, you know, um, anything else other than what is. What yeah, is sorry, it? second video, you know, yeah. <laughs> which didn't explain it all or it didn't talk so about examples. So I always think of it for this one. Um, if we go back to what we talked about on this podcast is how does sexuality or how does sex come into uh, the conversation when it comes into sport or physical expression In this case, it simply is a biological advantage to be of one sex over the other when you come into that sport in a competitive setting. Yeah, it's physical. And in that physical world, there's differences. There's differences. There are differences. We should acknowledge those. And that's, again, I think should be celebrated, right? I think in that sense of like, it's it's not a better or worse. It's, you know, um, we have both different advantages in in being one sex versus the other. But when it comes into... You know, um, getting on a rower, I have to give it to to the men. They may be more powerful than me, <laughs> and that's okay. Yep. Um, and uh, so I appreciate you bringing us back to that central tenet of you know why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but just on the point for for the rowing to leave, I guess to create as much, you know, because that's our goal is to not just to find answers to create as much ambiguity as possible. There there is some room in there. Let's just take the avatar example of. Well, what do you consider, uh, you know, best? And my whole point being there is if you're only going to score, which is, which I, listen, I'm all, all okay with in the physical universe for sport. If you're only going to score outcomes of power, you know, because that's what it is. It's time and power, right? That's a, that's a power score. Then by all means, right? I, I, I love, well, I do. I don't know if a lot of people do. I, I love the differences. I love the appreciation of the differences. Because I I see it as an opportunity for each person to develop their highest amount of power potential, regardless of sport. So that's where the cards all fall for me when I get outside of the sport conversation. It just looks so freeing, right? It looks like this unbelievable free free opportunity for people to go after their their best self, right? Again, kumbaya cliche. cliche I mean, I think I, I was like, I exactly love this it. one, this too, because um we are in our household we. We're really into golf um and i actually really enjoy watching it and um if you watch the females like they're amazing and that's, that's the point i was from, making that was, we the point hit I was different making. Things, though right so like think of it as like based off again biology women yeah. hit from a different tee yeah. the lengths are different yeah. for yeah. men and women like if we were talking about just a way to get more viewing up yeah yeah they could play at the same time and you could have women hitting from the green tees and you know the men hitting from their tees and you could still have them playing at the same exact time Mm -hmm. playing the same sport it's just going to look slightly different based off power output yeah yeah so that that's the point i was making on the the discomfort even inside of that uh, introspection right is that because it's defined because if you're defining like and and again i'm just saying like I, i am defining 
in in society, it is defined actually as someone who drives the ball on average 405 yards versus someone who drives at 306 as being better. Listen, that's that's what we've all defined as better. Do you see my point? But let's let's bring it back now and just don't be afraid. Your don't worry, your brain won't crack <laughs> if you take this idea on. How about we make the distance a nothing burger? What then starts to, ha- you see what I'm saying? And people are just really uncomfortable. And again, I, I'm being ambiguous just for this, just to challenge people's brains, right? And this is why, again, it will go back to pointing our finger at the commercialized institute called sport entertainment, right? They, because they, and if this is where it gets dirty, right? To your point on female golfers and accessibility to payment or et cetera. I don't even know if it's inside of that with regards to like how they're treated, treatment, or et cetera. Again, yeah. I, I do my research on that, but um, again, the only thing that they're going to hold up is like, yeah, but well, people don't want to watch it because they don't hit 405 yards. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> okay, you got me for sure. Yeah. But, but how about in our own couch, right? You know, we define success as something different. And this is the point I was going to make on what we need to appreciate in terms of what females can do, in my opinion, better in physical expression is not the context of power, right? You see, so let's, and I'll I'll be less ambiguous here and say, is it possible that you're going to see on average world championships in creativity or experimentation on artistic floor gymnastics? So you see what I'm saying? It's like, oh, now we're into this, well, how is it scored? You know, listen, I'm not saying it's scored about how high you jump and spin, right? It's about the entire component of it. And you see now, now we're getting into an area of like, well, how do you deter, is it called sport? How do you determine success? How do you score? All I'm doing is just challenging your brain, right? A little bit to open up the context of how we determine, you know, what is success? Because you need to see the shitty aspect of us determining success based upon power and scores and outputs And then we just throw everything on top of it, entertainment, money, commercial interest, et cetera. And this is where we land. Right. And so the way back up um, is, is very difficult if you, if you don't have, you know, an opportunity to have that discussion. So. Yeah. Like if you were to, you know, I I thought I didn't think of the same thing, but as soon as you said female golf, I was like, yeah, like um, if you're, if you're looking at, you know, judging, you know, fluidity of stroke. Uh, like, I mean, see, do you see what I'm saying? It's that, that's and, it, right? If you people, watch can't, it. people can't see. They're like, but, but, you, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it's scored based on how far you hit. That's like, yeah, okay. You could hold both things in your brain at the same time, right? I'm still agreeing with you that, yeah, you hit farther. Uh, maybe there's some sex differences in, in accuracy. Of, I don't know. I don't even know if there's any any stuff inside of that, but uh, actually, no, but I think I think it's a it's a fun one because we've really gone into it, and it is like from an accurate accuracy perspective, um, right? We start looking at just like those components of it, like the women actually are more accurate than the men, but from a viewing perspective, men hit further, and so it is more exciting to watch. Yeah. So again, I'd I you like know, to see the whole, data on the accuracy one. I'm gonna, I'm going to give you one on this. The, okay. It, Actually, it's uh, I'm gonna I'll look somewhere. Not because I'm challenging it, but I need I, to see I, it. I actually like I actually enjoy watching the men more, and Josh enjoys watching 
the women more because he feels like from a, just like the finesse and the fluidity of watching their strokes and everything that it's much more enjoyable to watch. So, uh, which is a whole nother one we could get into again. Right. We go into yeah. the, the media perspective of, again, why do we get more showing? Do women enjoy watching sport or, you know, we start going into um, why men like sports or the competitive, why, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about female versus uh, the feminine versus the masculine and what, and what enjoyment is yeah. right. And why men love watching football and that um, can go into viewing rates mm-hmm. on why like women, you know, why we don't see such a huge showing of women watching women play sport mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot that goes well, into that. Well, what what do we stereotypically get women watching? I say women watch football. They watch like. No, no, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull into how do you then use like, how do you how do you yeah. get an audience of 150,000, you know, watching something? How do you get 135,000 of them to be mainly females? What are they watching? You see what I'm saying? Because to your point, I agree with you. In a football stadium, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you were to, like, stress it out and they, people weren't forced to come, yes, yes. Know, you'd get 92% <laughs> males, Right. Right. Also, you know, English Premier Football would be a you know probably a better example of that, but you get my point. Yeah. So, yeah. so you see, what I'm saying if you wanted to flip it, because I, I like I like where you're going there. It's like, well, who's going to watch? And then it leads up to entertainment. Who's going to pay? It's got to be the Spartan Ring, right? Mm-hmm. So, but just to be speak personally, I don't want to see my daughter down getting physically sacrificed. <laughs> so, I, I don't find that cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I also don't want to see other daughters doing that. You see my point. So, but that's, that's the excitement. No, I mean, it is a a serious point because that's the quote unquote excitement that people don't see inside of uh, having two females in the UFC be the main card, right? People are, people are not seeing, oh no, wait now it's still violence. Right. So, so my, I'm not sure if you got any ideas on that, you know, is it Oprah that brings 135,000 at 150? Like, what is it? What is it that going to Okay, so it's creativity and imagination. I, I hate. To, I mean, look at that. Who? I mean, I was there all weekend. Who sold out those stadiums? Who had people waiting at two o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah. And what were the sex is right? All females. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing. I spent, <laughs> I spent a, an interesting, and not really agonizing, but somewhat agonizing, but an interesting three hours, uh, listening to. 10,000 screaming 16-year-old females in San, in San Diego's Vijayas Arena listening to CISA with my daughter. So I could attest to that. What is it down on the playing field? It's an unbelievable, which can be done no better by a male, I should add, right? A male would never be able to do what, what CISA did as a female, is the creativity and imagination around expression, Right. Uh, and combining all the things, right? The dance, the art, artistry, the voice, like it's all that shit. And that's where I would say, um, which I don't have a lot of information on, but Taylor Swift probably did the same thing. She packed the house here at the Arizona uh, stadium. It was one of the ones in America that I know had the highest attendance uh, for a particular stadium because of what it can fill besides Texas. And I think the Superdome or whatever Louisiana's version is called. Yeah. So it's that. So there we go. At least now we're, again, saying, coming back to this, if you're going to go into the physical realm, right, the physical realm, I think what might bring in most audiences over time is going to be an unfortunate uh, 
uh, combination of violence and creativity. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how we come about getting that, but uh, anyways, we'll see. Maybe the future will hold that. But it it does finish us on our uh, on at least us making a stab at a futuristic idea of a new definition of fairness. That kind of you know quash thought. Anyways, to summarize, I appreciate the um, the allowance for the conversation on the context around uh, your word of compensation and uh, accessibility, and I think that that I, I learned a lot from that. Um, I do also have to do some more research on that particular area. I do know it to be true, Melissa, but I, and the re that's the only reason why I'm saying I need to do the research on it is to not say that I don't think that your facts were true, is that I just don't have it in my brain and I just like to make sense yeah. of things. So I, I will I will ask you for some references. I'll and... send some references and I'll- um, Okay, I appreciate that. Because in, in my opinion, uh, just to say it again, I think that's disgusting that that is still happening. And it does really explain to me, again, on the CNN two-minute bite, why people can't explain the entire thing. They just can't explain it. There needs to be lengthy conversations in terms of accessibility and et cetera. But where we're drawing the line, and maybe this could be the summary for you to agree upon, is when you're getting into a physical endeavor, a biological physical endeavor, there's there's no ambiguity in terms of equal equalness when we come down to that point of fairness in, in participation in sport. There's no, there's no ambiguity in participation of activity. There's lots in sport. Again, we're just going to repeat that. We'll just draw the line on that. Would you agree? Agree. Okay. And I hope uh, individuals, which I'll provide that link uh, to you, whether it goes up or not, you know, people can contact me if they want for, you can just go to, um, I think it's uh, iconswomen.com, I-C-O-N-S-women.com. Um, if you want to get that uh, information, um, again, there was a Quillette podcast in which Mary O'Connor, which we were referencing today. And uh, if anyone also wants any other, I got a bunch of reading behind me here that I could refer to people of uh, on this particular topic of fairness uh, for today inside of sport. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate your time, uh, Melissa, to, to go through this. And uh, unless there's anything else, uh, We'll sign off. Uh, Melissa did a thumbs up it's saying it's okay. <laughs>